Welcome, Pudding People, to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. We are your hosts, Richard Geiger and Ken Seymour. Yay, yay. Here to celebrate, if you will, a collection of movie picture shows uh, from a certain subject matter, and in that subject matter, a certain source of that subject matter. Exactly. We are both enormously excited for the upcoming Wakanda Forever, and we thought it would be a, a fantastic idea to do our top five Marvel films to date. Now, this isn't just MCU. This is any film based on a Marvel comic property. So that can stretch all the way back to 1944 with that first Captain America serial. But uh, that's not on the list. <laughs> no, that's not on the list. That's a little before our time. Um, but uh, yeah, so I'm kind of excited about this. I always get a lot of enjoyment out of talking about comic books and comic book films. And considering we've been reviewing films for five years now, we actually have just a boatload of reviews already on a bunch of these films on our website. Yeah, so if the, if it's been out in the last few years, which, honestly, a good chunk of these MCU movies have come out in that time frame, and a few others, too, um, that are technically Marvel properties. So there's a lot of them that are there. You know what? There are some that are not there. Maybe sometime we'll collect a score for them and throw them up there. But I think what we'll find when we talk about these movies is there will be some with reviews that you can listen to and read about some that are not some, at least for me in discussing these movies, I'll definitely have some that we'll see on our reviews and our list that have high scores, but they're just not on this um, for, you know, silly reasons, good reasons, no reason at all, because it's our list. We can choose how we want. That's right. The whole nature of being a consumer of this product is, at any given time, our opinions can change. The reason that we really enjoy watch something can be different. Or we were even talking about this the other day, uh, talking about a DC property, the, the Joker film. Fantastic. Not really something I'm going to want to watch regularly, though, just due to the nature of, of how it was made and what it's about. And there are certain movies, too, that are really rewatchable from start to finish. And then there's some that you just want to go watch a chunk of that movie and you want to watch that same chunk repeatedly. So that's okay too. Well, let's just kind of jump into it with uh, with a number five. Now, if you were tracking our scores from the website, Richard, would you, you would think that his number five pick would be Deadpool 2. Mm. But... Uh, that's a good picture show. But that's sadly not on my list. Not on your list. All right. So what is your number five, Richard? Okay, so bear with me on a lot of these choices. And I'll have to give some explanation to them. Because even if I rated them now, they wouldn't have scores necessarily, I think, that make up make it on there. But what I'm going to, I just don't even know. I've... I've kind of picked through my mind the last few days 
try to get an order in these. So honestly, I, I might just rattle these off in no particular order, but I, I will sort of order them. And I'll start with Spider-Man. Now let me let me go back with Sony Spider-Man and let me go mm. back with Toby Maguire Sony Spider-Man, the original one. Um, there's a lot of reasons to like, there's reasons for sure to not like this movie. But I think one of the important things is for me personally, um, I worked in movie theaters when I was younger, um, in, like in college, I ran movie theaters for a while. So there was, uh, I have a place in my heart for some of these films because at the time, as a person who enjoyed the comic book mm, landscape, I didn't collect them, but certain things I did collect for sure. Um, Spider-Man was one of the, the ones I paid a lot of attention to. And this particular movie, especially with it being, you know, a Sam Raimi movie and being like Army of, Army of Darkness is one of my favorite movies of all time. This movie just kind of fit the, the bill, right? So it was a comic book movie. It gave you a perspective on a character that you never saw on the big screen before. It was put together with color and flair, and it showed the good guys and the bad guys. It showed Spider-Man with his own self-made web fluid, right? So, like, all the little intricacies in this movie web-slinging from building to building, it was just bright and different and unique. And at that age that I was at, like, this movie was just, it was, it was to me, it was great. It was, like, an amazing thing to see. Now, when he says self-made, for those of you, if there are any that haven't watched, he's not talking about, like, in a beaker. Like, it came out of his wrist because he was a Spider-Man. Yes. <laughs> and uh, also, if you seen the most recent spider-man film that was a point of comedy discussion right movie. right and well the, the thing about that film is it was one of the first where i felt that the writers actually got the material um you know we had we had blade we had um we had the x-men that also kind of understood the material enough to give us something that reflected what it kind of should have been and this is another one of those examples just because i mean sure toby mcguire was maybe a little older than a high schooler <laughs> when they recorded the film yeah <laughs> he, he he came off as as a as a young person he did maybe an old high schooler um a young college kid he he, he came off looking young right um but you got the you, you still got that nerdy aspect of things the lovable loser if you will um the i, I don't know like the you had all I, I feel like the classic quote classic spider-man people right right oh you yeah had oh yeah mary um, jane you had um jay jonah jay J, oh, awesome jay jonah um yeah, you had Joe man. Manganiello in the movie, right? Oh, yeah. it, it, that was awesome. Thompson, like, so like really cool. Like there's just a lot. 
all the the cheesy classic elements of Spider-Man who have things have since evolved significantly since then. But you know all the the basics. Yeah, the the casting on this film is just ridiculously good. I mean, and especially with, with JJ, so good that he hops universes. You, there is no no one else that could do it like he does it. And uh, yeah, it's just kind of kind of crazy. And of course, Willem Dafoe, you know, is just doing his nutty best. Uh, it's, it's just the whole the whole group is great. The storyline is solid. It's simple. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's intended to be a, a, an origin story because you know. At that point, not everybody was necessarily familiar with Spider-Man, which for those of us in the comic book industry seems like a crazy thing to say. But, you know, at that point, you needed the origin story. Um, but, uh, yeah, just just fantastic. What do you have for number five? Well, if you had looked at my top five list, um, the number five that you would expect to see would be uh, my brain's turning off here for a minute. Uh, my number five would end up being, uh, I believe, No Way Home. You would think, but it did not make the top five in this list. Uh, for me, my number five, I have to go back to the beginning of the MCU. I got to go back to Iron Man in two thousand eight. Um, talking about origin stories, it's not that film is so eminently rewatchable for so many different reasons. The fact that it's casting is stupidly good. The fact that it's the very beginning of the MCU experiment at a time when we didn't know there was going to be an MCU experiment. Um, Just uh, an interpretation of a character at that point that I would never have thought I would get to see in a film ever. It's like Iron Man? Really? Sure, okay, you know, let me see what you can do. And they just freaking blew it away. It was so good. Um, I just, it's again, it's a simple, it's a simple origin story, but more than just being an origin story, it's, an, it's a morality play. And so being able to see see something that acts on so many multiple levels and gets to be a comic book film at the same time, that still blows me away. Well, in in the sense of th- there's a lot of things that this created. Uh, it created director John Favreau. Like it didn't create him, but it really Elevated showed him. you that this dude's good, right? Like he can do a lot of things because we knew him as a we knew him as an actor, and we knew he. I think he directed elements of things before or a movie or two before this, but this was the thing that kind of brought him to the masses in a certain sense. Uh, this is a Robert Downey Jr. kind of redemption movie. Yeah. At the time, if I remember right, he was kind of... Hadn't really had any big films for a while. Yeah, yep. And it, it showed us... It showed us something, and, and, and if this hadn't been successful, I mean, well, so be it. I'm sure they would have made more things, but the the fact that it was a good movie and successful enough that just planted the seeds for everything else to come. Um, remind me, what was the post-credit scene in this one? Uh, 
the post-credit scene in this one, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it's uh, Nick Fury uh, sneaking into his house. Yes, okay. So we we see another great casting, and we see when you watch that movie, you had thoughts of what could happen. Right. And when you saw that, it's like there, there's the there's the meme going around um, and he uh, it, like he pointing at the screen is like, yep, yep, yep. Yeah. He sits back in the couch. Like you're pointing at the, you're pointing at the screen. You're, you're wiggling your finger. You're like, yep, 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 yep. Like when you saw that the first time, that's what, that's what everybody who knew what was going on in, in comic book world, I guess you could say like knew exactly what was going on. Like, Oh, 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 Oh. And he, he like, it was a, a very big moment. It also created the the post credit scene that you looked for. Yeah, they existed, right? Oh they yeah, were t- they were a secret thing. Uh, actually, th- they did that in Hulk. Yes, right? they did. Because Robert Downey showed, showed up, up actually in Hulk, um, a Universal property. So it, it was just. It was just the thing that set so many stages and it gave a presentation and it told us, you know what? These are viable pro- products. They are, they are viable uh, business entities. It, and of course, the look and the feel of everything was pretty darn slick too. Oh yeah, no doubt about that. Now, of course, it did start the tradition of the MCU favoring killing off the bad guy at the end of every single film just about. Yeah, That's so it's, true. It's a mixed bag in that sense, but... Um, oh, and you were wanting to know, he had actually directed, the, there were two big films that he directed before Iron Man. One was uh, Zarathura, you know, Jumanji in Space, and Elf. Oh, yeah, he did Elf. So just... he was like kind of so-so, kind of, and then Iron Man, okay, yeah, okay, done. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I'll watch anything this guy makes. <laughs> and Elf is... Elf has just only grown in immense popularity since then, too. Yeah, it sure has. Uh, but yeah, so that that will that will stick with me. That's a fun film. Great bits of humor, setting up so much stuff. Yeah, great film. All right, moving on. Number four. Now, uh, Richard's number four in our uh, website is Avengers Endgame. Hmm. What is your actual number four, Richard? The one that I have for number four, it's an interesting pick, and you might have heard of it before. It's Iron Man. <laughs> Yay, we have things that match. Woo. I was I was wondering, it's like how many of these are gonna be the same? I don't know. I'm uh we got we got similar tastes in a lot of ways, but uh we do diverge in several uh key aspects. Yes. Um well, we've already talked about we've already talked about Iron Man, so we'll we'll move on to a, a different number four. Yes. Um, if you had gone onto my movie scorecard and said, "Hey, what's his number four? Mine would have been Infinity War. Ooh, another great choice. Yeah, that's not not on this list. <laughs> uh, good film, but uh, I have to give props. I started with a. Uh, uh, an MCU film. Now I'm going to go to, uh, what is it? Uh, well, into the X-Men universe, basically. I've got to go with Logan. 
Logan is a very good picture show. Yeah. Well, considering the fact that the X universe at the point that Logan was released was such a thorough, just absolute mess. I mean, they had the first three films that were kind of together and they went from excellent down to just what were you thinking? And then they did kind of a relaunch and did another three films and they went from excellent down to what are you thinking? It seems to be a, you know, a trend uh, <laughs> that was happening. So this just kind of on its own, taking the character that had been in all of those films and then basically recreating certain aspects of um, a really interesting comic storyline that they did kind of on their own, uh, Old Man Logan, uh, as it was called in the comics, allowed them to take the whole idea of an R-rated comic book film, but not making it R-rated for the purpose of just gore, but in order to tell a very serious story. And to give depth to some of these comic book characters that you can't all you can't see it in a PG thirteen or a PG film, it just it doesn't quite play because you know they're humans, they're gonna curse, uh, <laughs> there's going to be bad things that are going to happen, and it's going to be serious. So we need to be able to see that. Not only did they do it, they just just again knocked it out of the park. It was fantastic. Well, for a, a character. That's got, you know, a metal skeleton, metal coated skeleton and retractable claws and is grumbly and angry a lot. How can you properly present that character in PG-13 form? Well, we saw that you can in a certain sense. Like yeah. it'll, it'll look good, but it, like to truly present that character you've got to you've got to give it the proper treatment it's like it's like the the deadpool movies right mm -hmm. the deadpool movies fit well in the r category so it's only natural to put those two characters together and you know luckily we're going to get that opportunity here in the future but this was that one i guess view in a certain sense that you didn't often think of you saw familiar faces you saw new faces. You saw characters from different storylines in a certain in a certain sense. Um, X Men have all the. Uh, I'll sidetrack here a bit. X Men have so many cool storylines, so many cool characters and bad guys and universes and good guys and all these things, and they focus on the same few, and they've done the. The worst storyline, which is the Phoenix saga, <laughs> they've done it twice. <laughs> and failed both times. Yeah. So there's so many other cool things. I mean, one of the coolest bad guys is Mr. Sinister. And they've never touched him. You you got a hint of it on, what was it, uh, Days of Future Past? Mm-hmm. At the end, the people came in with from the Essex Corporation cleaning stuff up. We're like, yes, cool. Never touched on it. Um, the the one, oh gosh, the one character in Logan that uh, could find mutants, right? That's what his capability is. He's a, is he a Morlock? Is that yeah. where he yeah, originated he's one of the Morlocks. from? Mm -hmm. Although the Morlocks aren't an exciting storyline, they are a storyline. 
They're an important part of the history. You can delve into it. And they don't mention that in Logan, but it's still nice to pull at least a character from something else, right? Something unique. Also, like you say, cast, characters, all the people who portrayed every like everybody did really good in this movie. Um, I don't know. It's just a it's one of those that's great to revisit every once in a while. It's not Joker where you're like, yeah, I don't want to watch that, no. but it was an awesome movie. This is I do enjoy watching this, but it has a certain gravity and sadness to it that you don't really want to watch it. Like well, it, has a, it has a redemptive arc to it, which mm-hmm. is just, it's got that element of hope that Joker doesn't have. And that's why I'll watch Logan more than, more than once where I may yeah. not watch Joker. Uh, and you know, a mangle, uh, Directing this, I mean, the dude is is awesome. I mean, just thinking about Three Ten to Yuma or Walk the Line, or one of my personal favorites. It's it's a rom com, but it's a sci fi rom com that actually has Jackman in it, and that's Kate and Leopold. <laughs> so he's already got you know he already had some experience with uh, with him well before uh, uh, this particular film, and just yeah, he's he's got some good he's got some good stuff and understands how to to tackle that serious uh, subject matter. Yes, good good selection. All right, we're going to go to number 3 uh, kind of in the middle, sort of spanning spanning the middle. Yes. Uh, now, if you were looking online, Richard would say that No Way Home was number 3 on his scorecard. What mm. what do you actually have as number 3? Um, number three, I have on here one that of the selection here is the one that just kind of stands out as like the, mm, the cheesiest, maybe least thought out selection, but you know what? I'm okay with that. And I chose infinity war, um, in terms of what is on here and why I have it on here is ultimately Endgame is the culminate is the finishing point of the culmination of 10 years worth of movie making. Yeah. But this one is the the thing that kind of led to the end, right? So like this was the thing that said here are all the faces that you have learned to enjoy who have some backstory, who have some involvement who you have some interest in and let's put them all together in the same movie more or less at the same time with something that they can't quite comprehend the level of how bad it is in the realm at that point in time and then at the end by the way let's just kind of get rid of everybody too (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Just, right. So, yeah, you've got this actually listed as your number one best scored of what we've actually reviewed so far. Yep. But one of the things that I enjoyed the most, I, I'm not somebody that gets into schadenfreude, but being in the theater and knowing how the storyline had to progress if it's going to be a two-parter like they're saying it's going to be Mm -hmm. and the character that's the bad guy and what he's been putting together i already know what's coming every comic book fan did 
But there's so many non-comic book fans that were in the theater that once you get to the end, it is dead silent <laughs> at the very end of the film. Yeah, nobody cheering like, yeah, he did it. But you you had to know. Okay, so let's say you, you, let's say you never read the comic book before. Like, you know there was going to be a resolution to this. But it still had the the feeling of, oh, man, we did all of this and we still lost. Right? Yeah, we the, the thing about this particular movie that I think when you look at something like Endgame, there's cool shots and there's these cool things that they do. And there's lots of elements that are just cool and fun. And, you know, you get the battle, the three on one battle at the end and you get the Avengers assemble like that whole sequence is stellar but that's one one extended sequence but it's one but i feel like in this movie there's just a bunch of individual items that just when you see them or you interact with them or you you get them you, you get that like i don't know that feeling in your gut that feeling in your chest where you're like like that was awesome. Like this was cool. You know, everybody's kind of gone their separate ways and you have these individual moments and then everybody comes back together again. I don't know. It's just well, a different feeling. It makes sense. You like the crescendo. You've always liked the crescendo. So that, that building, they put the blocks together, they put them in the form of the tower, they've made the structure, and you get to finally see it all together. Mm-hmm. And that's 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 that cool element in that film and what, what you love so much about it and what I love so much about it. But I mean, the Russos again, talking about directors that know what they're doing. Uh, they understand the subject matter. They understand what the, the, the characters are, are meant, what the, what the viewer is supposed to kind of get and and the sheer time management. I mean, it's a weird thing to talk about, but in this film, you have to talk about it. The sheer, skill of time management that they put into it so that everybody could have their moment to shine and everybody pretty much did and the the dialogue was still pretty crisp it wasn't too confusing for the most part i mean yeah anytime you're going to have a massive battle there's going to be too much you're not going to be able to focus on everything but for the most part it was it was very um very followable so, I mean, yeah, that seeing that get being able to see the, at the beginning of the film because the, you we've talked about this before. Thanos is my favorite comic book character, has been for most of my life. Great antagonist. And um you know, a lot of times people say villains like, well, it's not that simple. <laughs> And that's what makes him interesting. And they they had to change his character for the film, and they changed it in some ways I'm not particularly thrilled about, but they had to because they couldn't present him the way that he is in the comics. It just it would not have worked. And I can understand that this was the happy medium. But still, to be able to see it at least in that form and see him portrayed as just a, just a unstoppable, almost just this this crazy thing to have him beat the snot out of the hulk at the beginning of the film as he kills loki and <laughs> leaves the asgardians in ruins that is that is the way to start a film 
sets the tone for sure. Yeah. So yeah, that's that that is an absolutely uh, great film. Um, did not make my top five. Um, so well, we're on number three. We're so on. What did make the top five? Well, you would think, according to my list, that it should be uh, uh, it should be Thor Ragnarok, but it's not. <laughs> uh, it is keep, Eternals. It is um, Spider Man into the Spider Verse. Mm, that's a nice, fun segue for sure because it's it's not like where all these other movies we're talking about. It's just not like that. No, and that what that's what makes it great. It's got a level of joy that a lot of comic book films, at least in the current day, doesn't have. Again, it connects to what makes the Spider-Man character interesting, no matter who is Spider-Man. Uh, it's the whole reason they kind of reinvented him in, in in the newer version in the Ultimates universe in the comics to cut because Peter Parker's been around forever. That was Dad's Spider Man. Who's the current day Spider Man? Who's the new Spider Man? We gotta have it needs to be different but the same. And that's that's a rough challenge. So the fact that they just absolutely nailed it in the comics and then we got to see it albeit in an animated uh, sense, um, but with some just absolutely great voice acting. And in the, in the actual style of the animation was so slick. Um, yeah, I, I, just, I just love this film. Well, you know, I, 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 I don't discredit animated films at all. In fact, I really enjoy a lot of them. If you look at the DC side of things, they have so many animated features that are superior in so many ways to some of the live action shows that are available. It's just that the number of ones from the Marvel side of things, they're just, you know, they're, they're just much fewer. There's a, there's a Hulk one that's out there, planet Hulk, if I'm not mistaken. Um, where it's, we got elements of that in in Thor in Thor Ragnarok. We got the tiniest you know, little elements of that, and that movie's pretty solid. That one's fun, although I don't think that's actually still a good representation of the actual storyline in the comic book. But but you know, decent. It's just there 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 are not that many animated films for this for all these characters, and when they do make one. And it just happens to be one that <laughs> knocks it out of the park. You, you're, I'm left with wondering, like, why couldn't they do some cool ones like this for some of the other characters right? all throughout the the universe? Um, and we're gonna get a sequel to this one too. So wow. it 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 was even commercially successful. It made a lot of money in the box office. Yeah, it did. And considering the everything, I mean, it's. it's the fact that we get to have uh, Nicolas Cage voice a Spider-Man is funny enough. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. we get one, him do one and Chris Pine do another and and uh, John Mulaney do Spider-Ham, which was just wonderful. Um, Leif Schreiber as, as Wilson Fisk was a surprisingly good choice. I mean, I've always liked him anyway. I would never have thought of him as a Fisk. But uh, 
<laughs> having Oscar Isaac show up very briefly. I mean, so I mean, it's it's really kind of the casting is good, the directing is good, the animation is good. Something you can take your kids to see, and it's mm-hmm. it's got a, a fun storyline that's not too confusing. Just all in all, fantastic, and uh, yeah, it's, it is one of those things. Now, you know what else is fantastic? You. Well, I appreciate that. I was I was going to go with our website. Oh. <laughs> Don't forget to pop by. I keep talking about our movie scorecard as we are on this episode. If you haven't gone to our website, don't forget. You can see all of these ratings that we've done over the years. They link right to our episodes. Uh, we have more than just that. We've got every episode quickly linked through the through the website, but also with a guest page that shows the guests that we've had and sometimes multiple interviews that we've, we've got going at any given time. We've got the uh, pop culture death count where you can find out how many people died in the story on screen and individual shows and, uh, or individual movies and show runnings and the comic movie database, every film based on a comic book or comic strip uh, heading back to the late 1800s. Uh, I must admit, I'm a, a still a smidgen, just a smidgen behind on that. Got a couple more to add in there, but uh, uh, hopefully by the time this airs, I'll actually be completely caught up again. <laughs> well, it's a lot of work, and you put a lot of work into it, and there's a lot of things and people and places and things change and things get updated. So yep. it is a great resource if you do enjoy the subject material that we're talking about. It's a great, concise uh, source of all that information. All right, we're we're getting we're trucking along. We're making our way towards the end. We are at the penultimate entry on our top five lists. The number two, which if you look at Richard's rankings, should be Thor Ragnarok. But what is your number two? I have here a movie that uh, actually I just by sheer coincidence watched in bits and pieces uh, within the last week the OG original X-Men movie it's hard not to love that one so in 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 terms of the universe of people comic book related in Marvel and in DC the X-Men family is my favorite. I, I love the characters. I love the setup. I love the the storylines. I love the the types of people that they have. You know, it it really it comes down to the these the set of people who in it, it kind of fall. It's it kind of mirrors today's world in a certain sense. Uh, today, it's it's the mutants, right, mm-hmm. who are yeah. viewed as a, in many realms, they're viewed as a threat, a threat to your safety, a threat to your society. So then they become outcasts. But the X-Men, who are an outcast, who are, you know, shunned by society in a certain sense, are actually there to protect society from anything that they can protect them from. Uh, including other mutants that are the bad guys. And some of the X-Men's biggest foes are mutants that think that they are the superior species, if you will, 
And they think that they should be the ones controlling things and they shouldn't live in fear from persecution. And there's just so many storylines that take you through different mutants and different planets and different universes and shoot, you know, they've got, they've got one, which I hope in some form or fashion we'll see in our lifetime, a big fat blob of a dude that controls a TV station effectively who has a, a, almost like a spider-like platform that he blobs around on and sits on that just, it's, it's the dumbest, funnest creature character in, in the universe. Cause it's, it's so absurd, yep. but it's funny. I, I don't know. It's hard to, it's hard to explain. Moho, Mojo. Mojo. Yeah. And, and there's, like I said, there's, there's Mr. Sinister. There's all, all, I mean, Lalandra, you know, like we're talking about stuff all the way across the universe, which introduced some crazy, stupid, powerful characters, but it's all contained in the, the X-Men universe. And we've touched so very little on some of the main characters and their storylines that I feel like we're, we're around the corner here. We're really going to see something big in the Marvel universe when it comes to the X-Men and this movie kind of, kind of told us, Hey, you know what? It's possible. It's possible. It's possible. We got our first look at characters like Wolverine portrayed by a person that we'd really never heard of before who is from Australia. And you're like, well, that, that, that can't work. Right. Like that can't work. There is a, a, uh, a WWE actor in, in the show. And you have these two big name, like high up classically trained actors portraying comic book characters. It's just a big, it's just a big push for what could be in movie land. And it just happened to be with my favorite family of characters. Yeah, the the X Men definitely had a, a larger fan base uh, from our within uh, about a ten year to fifteen year span of our our age range. <clears throat> I was yeah. like the odd man out, not being one of the big X Men people. It's like, oh yeah, X Men are cool, but the Avengers are better. Uh, <laughs> so I, I'd have that argument a lot. It's like, I know I just talked about this, but there's like a line of three or four people that are all saying X-Men. Nobody else is lining up behind me saying Avengers. Yeah, well, I'll, <laughs> I'll deal with it. And I, I never, you know, one of my, when I grew up, one of my uh, good friends collected all the Iron Man comic books. And on TV, there was an Iron Man cartoon, actually, when we were younger. But our, my age range was the X-Men cartoon that was on. Oh, yeah. also the Spider-Man cartoon that was on too. So in terms of television shows or what was on media, not in print, those were some of the, the bigger influences that, that I had when I, I collected football cards and, and uh, baseball cards, hockey cards, actually there were uh, Marvel comic book cards too. So you could buy them just just like you could any of the other things. And I always look forward to opening those packs and getting all the X-Men characters so that I could, you know, have them complete the set and that type of stuff. 
uh, when the movie came out, once again, I worked in the movie theater. I was just a scrub, but they, they gave us the power and the, the money to promote this movie. And we, we did little cutouts. We, we had, we went and bought plywood. We did little cutouts and we stuck them on the top of the movie theater building. And then, so that looked like little shadows of the characters as you drove up to it, the Cyclops character, we actually put a red light in the visor and it was plugged in. So it was always turned on. Several planes went down. Yeah, it was pretty funny actually, (laughs) but there was things, things that we did on inside. Uh, I know the person I was doing it with, he spoke to, one of the local radio stations to get a promotion. The radio station came out to the theater and did like a live show from the theater when the movie came out. So to us, it was a big deal. Uh, side note from that, they gave us a couple of free tickets and we got to go to the Chicago Motor Speedway and see uh, a concert that featured Metallica and Stone Temple Pilots and Kid Rock. It was pretty dope. That's pretty sweet. Uh, so all this fun as a, you know, a young college kid was just for a movie about comic book characters. So it, it holds a special place in my heart. Definitely. Um, so my number two, uh, if you looked at the list, Spider-Verse would have been what you would expect in my number two. I've already talked about that as number three. But my actual number two is what you would see as my number one, and that is Avengers Endgame. Uh, going back to the to the Russo brothers and the culmination of what we were talking about with uh, Infinity War earlier. Now, this is where we see some of the differences between our personalities a little bit and some of the reasons I think that you enjoy the first film more and I enjoy the second film more because character is more important to me. Character growth, character uh, development, um, story breakdown. And that's that's really what happened i mean the the second film yeah it was it was the heist the the time heist it's like well yeah and that was fun but it was seeing the psychological impact of what happened in the previous film hit everyone on the planet in the second film that to me is the meat and just that just that internal um that little round table that uh, I believe it was uh, uh, Captain America was talking about the people that were lost and seeing the the writers and artists that were involved with the original comics in that little get together. Just that was awesome. One of one of the Russo brothers in there too. Right? Yes, yes. Yeah. And just showing again, it's a little wink, a little nod that they understand. They understand the source material and they want to take it in an interesting and new direction and just being able to being able to see the the impact that it has and again you're talking about the 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 avengers assemble scene now you say well it's just one one fight yeah the second half of the film (laughs) it lasted half of the film (laughs) yeah it, it was you know they they that call avengers assemble right like that is kind of the ultimate cheesy powerful catchphrase not you know it it's i feel like even there was a uh gosh was it in genesis game 
I can't remember, but I'm pretty sure it was called like Marvel Marvel's Avengers Assemble. Like, right. like that, that, that's how that works. And they teased that all throughout in, in a couple different movies, but they never actually, it was never actually, that line was never delivered no. until that moment. It needed to have gravitas, it needed to have impact to mean something. And, and and even before that, like we you know we touched briefly the three on one battle with Thanos, so but good. with within that one was the whole Captain America Mjolnir sequence too, right? The the and, the yells that you would hear in the theater when he picks up the hammer, man, were big time. And then you know he's downtrodden and defeated, and then you get the uh, on your left. Right. And right. it just the whole like the whole sequence, like it just doesn't ever stop. And then once again, you get this like everybody's getting pounded on by the bombs. And then all of a sudden the bombs stop and you're like, uh, what's what's happening? Like writing in from seemingly nowhere comes Captain Marvel to just annihilate everything. So. You had all these like, oh no, oh yes, oh no, oh yes, all in a gigantic <laughs> sequence that encompassed the whole thing. And you're right about the the heist. It it it's it's a quote heist movie. You're right. But even during all of those heist moments, you you felt more for the individual components right. for all those characters because it was very it was like the the end point for a lot, you know, for a couple of characters in particular, but it was just like bringing to culmination from the very beginning now to the very end, a few bits of feelings and emotion for quite a few of the characters. And they did such a great job integrating the some of the characters that were no longer in the films because they had died or whatever because of that time. I was getting to see Rumlow again for a second, getting to see... Um, uh, I'm spacing the name of the uh, uh, the shield agent that turned out to be Hydra that we all kind of still liked. Um, being able to see Loki disappear, being able to see the yeah. the moment that that Stark gets with his dad. Yep. I mean, just those those beats. They and that's the thing; those beats take a second, and because of the way that they have to be paced, it's not going to be feeling like a constant build or a constant action film. You've got to take a breath; you got to take a moment. This is what is important. This is what is important. Okay, now let's fight. And it's just I I love it. Yep the whole the whole thing is just the almost if you will the crowning moment at the time for all that they had worked for him. Now, we are going to have a, a couple of honorable mentions. Um, I, I know uh, Richard had a couple, and I've got a couple. Uh, what What do you feel you kind of wanted to just kind of briefly mention that couldn't quite fit in the top five? So for me, I have a couple of them that were um, already mentioned to an extent. I have uh, Endgame mm -hmm. as an honorable mention. For me, I have the No Way Home as an honorable mention. Just integrating all the other Sony Spider-Man films in such a way. And I, I touched on this on the review, presenting the Green Goblin character as just like tough, you know, mentally. 
having the the two personalities, but like not being a pusher, being no. tough. Uh, and then I one movie in particular holds a special place in 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 the MCU that I feel like kind of gets passed over a little bit, and that's the original Captain America film. Um, it just sets the origin for uh, uh, one of the main characters in. I don't know that that movie, I think a lot of times gets looked at as kind of just like an okay movie. And I get it. And I understand why, because ultimately it is just an okay movie, but it's a, it's an okay movie that gets us an important stepping stone in what they're doing. And for a very important character as well. Um, I I wish we could just see more red skull too. Yeah, me too. Um, for me, I wanted to mention Deadpool just because that was such a fun film. Again, showing that you could do an R-rated uh, comic book film and have it work and have it be fun and make money. Um, you already mentioned the X-Men. Uh, for me, Blade always has a place in my heart as the first real comic book film that I watched. That I go, oh, that's freaking cool. Um, uh, and, you know, the Guardians just because, you know, Groot, I love Groot, but uh, so that that's the the only honorable mentions that I have. All right, so number one uh, in Richard's original ranking system would have been Infinity War. We've already talked about that. Mm-hmm. What what is your number one? Um, I will touch briefly. I I do like your Guardians. I mean James Gunn is been great in all the recent movies that he's done he's going to head the whole dc studio now so guardians is a great mix of characters and comedy and it's just it's a pretty good movie Um, my number one is not it not from the mcu you actually just mentioned it i actually have blade as my number one i kind of figured it might be i (laughs) i 100 percent had this film on vhs if if that means anything uh and i definitely watched it repeated repeated times over and over again and i never really i knew this was a comic book movie but i never viewed it as a comic book movie because at the time that was not what you did this was just a movie that had a really like if you grew up in the movie area era that I did, uh, you knew how awesome Wesley Snipes was. The movies that he was in, uh, maybe not so much. Uh, hit or miss. You hit a hit or miss. Uh, ever play roulette? Always bet on Wesley Snipes and played. But uh, that's right. <laughs> uh, just he he personified this character. And when you when you mentioned it before, like this showed us that you could do a comic book movie because there was other there was others before this. But none of them were were up to a level of sophistication and quality that Blade was. Correct. And it was rated R. And it was popular. And it led to other sequels, uh, you know, the second of which was. Guillermo del Toro's uh, which was it, no, a fantastic film don't listen to him it's great um you had the it went to the third one which we saw Ryan Reynolds in 
So he's been in a lot of miscellaneous comic properties. Yeah, he has. Um, is he going to be an important, is he going to show up as Hannibal again later on? I don't know. That'd be funny <laughs> if he did. Uh, but, but this particular movie has, like the, Wesley Snipes is just the, the, the tippity top. Like if you think through all the MCU stuff and all the characters, you got Robert Downey Jr. is Iron Man. And, you know, the other characters are great as their role, but you really like you really see and you feel Robert Downey Jr. as the Iron Man character. Yeah, right? like, nobody else I could do it better. No one else. And I kind of feel that Wesley Snipes as Blade is kind of that thing, too. And we'll we'll see going forward. I mean, because, you know, this was such a long time ago. This, this was what? late 90s right mid 90s late 90s early 90s somewhere in the 90s so we're talking like 30 years ago so mahershala ali's got a lot to live up to but you know what he's great such such a long time ago uh yeah 98 um that who knows what the new blade character is going to be but this movie just the the sword that he had the outfit the sunglasses he he was great with his martial arts like he could move and they filmed it in such a way that even if we felt that he wasn't good at doing the the moves like he wasn't he wasn't trained good enough or whatever that never came across in the movie right, right? we we always felt like he he was athletic and strong, and he represented that character well. Um, Stephen Dorff, on the other hand, you know, he I, was great. The sword fighting scene at the end is just him just swinging the thing around, but they just did it in such a fast speed that gave the, you know, the, the, the visualization that he knew what he was doing. But he played a great bad guy. He did. So I, I don't know. There's like I said, this this movie just kind of showed us what a really cool subject matter could if it could be presented well and even if it's r doesn't matter that it's going to be successful so yeah so how good this film is i I think in a lot of ways is summed up by the fact that uh la magra at the end is stupid i mean it's it's amazing to the point where you get oh he's gotten his power and that's kind of that's it it doesn't Let matter. Let me shoot you with some syringes and you're going to be dead. Right. And it doesn't matter because yep. the whole film up until that point had been so good. It's like they could have just paraded a few dogs from a dog show ended with a different movie end. You just don't, you have no idea what's going on. It's like, is this the end of Titanic? Okay. Well, so that's fine because <laughs> the rest of it was awesome. It yeah. just didn't matter. Yeah. That's just, uh, I don't know. We're, we're old enough and that movie is old enough that, I feel like if you've never seen the movie now and you're younger, you're going to be like, yeah, that movie's okay. I get I don't it. Know. I, I think it ages pretty well. Yeah. it's There's not a lot of technology that you have to keep up with. There's a little bit in terms of phones, but that's it, really, because the crux of it isn't technological. It's Mm-mm. it's mystical, so mystical. it doesn't matter. And for the most part, CGI was not a huge part of the film until you know the ending where it was stupid. 
but <laughs> yeah, the, the bubbly cloud of right blood, whatever. But you know, that's an element of the time. But the fact that the rest of it was fine, it was it yeah, was excellent. A lot of practical effects and a lot of we'll shoot the thing at a regular speed, and then we'll just speed it up. And that was your that was your quote special effect. Yep. All right. So my number one. And this is something that I have always gotten kind of raised eyebrows about uh, as my favorite comic book film ever, ever made, uh, period. Not just Marvel, but it is my favorite comic book film. Uh, and that is uh, uh, Captain America, The Winter Soldier. Um, I think that film has the best pacing, the best character development of any of the films it has the the most solid plot again it doesn't de depend on a lot of extraneous stuff i mean ultimately we're at the the first sequel to to captain america yeah after uh the avengers um has already occurred the universe is created and so what do they do do they make a superhero film no they make a spy thriller with Captain America. That is amazing. And the twist that they pull off to just flip the universe on its head in a way that it hadn't done up until that point. I, I just, it was, it was not only just awesome there, but the fact that it then carried over into the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. television show. And now, unfortunately, it carried over in such a way that uh, my son's favorite character turned evil <laughs> and it yep. made him very sad. But it was excellent. It was it was so good. Yeah, the the behind the scenes Hydra aspect of it, I think, really, really showed that they were willing to take a bit of a not really a risk, but really just bend things from the norm and the winter soldier character to me is really cool i, I like that character it was no surprise i i knew that the winner i know the background so i knew exactly who it was but you know for example when i was watching it for the first time with my wife like she didn't know who that character was and so a lot, I feel like a lot of people who are new to this element and were watching this movie when it was revealed to them, that was the twist of the movie, yeah. right? Like that was the big, oh my, like OMG move, like movie moment, which to me, that was like, I'm anticipating, like, it's I want to like, see on, when they on, do this, on. right? Like, when are they going to show it? <laughs> when, when is it going to happen? Um, and the, you know, the big, the the Hydra twist, I think was to me very well well done now the, the key thing about this too is this is a russo brothers movie it is we've talked about infinity war and we've talked about endgame russo brothers russo brothers so like obviously there's a key connection here with a set of directors that get the material and know how to do pacing and timing like you mentioned and know how to present just a good product within the confines that they were given 
and the and, you know we've uh, you know I'll 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 give this a proper review at some point. But the one one last note I want to mention about it is I like scenes that have multiple purposes, and especially when it's it's not what you're thinking it is. And I absolutely love the elevator fight scene. That right there is such a great encapsulation of who who Captain America is. And it, it is, I know it's a strange thing to say, but he's on the elevator, and you get the, to the point that up until that point, he's kind of uneasy, but he hasn't really seen exactly what's going on. And when he recognizes what's about to happen, you see, okay, he's not stupid. He, he can feel what's going on. He can see he's, he's got some intelligence to him. He gives them a chance to stand down. He still wants to see the best in people, even before things start. And you would think that that would be it. But the fact that it's this just badass fight scene in this confined space, but it's a confined glass elevator. He can crack the glass he could send those dudes outside the elevator at any point that he wanted to, but he doesn't. All he does, he just wants to disable. He doesn't kill. He disarms. He disables. Even in this life or death situation where they're lining people up with guns to, to fire on him when he opens the door. It's it's just really, really well written. And in, in terms of the Marvel universe sometimes i feel like his power level and his strength is just not presented in a certain way and this you get a little bit of that element you know like when he's in um oh the the civil war and he's holding on to the helicopter as it's trying to fly away then you're like Oh, he must work out, you know. Like <laughs> Look at those biceps. He's big, strong man. But I, I feel like that in the the super soldier serum really did make that particular in in this movie sequence made him a very powerful character, like very strong. And I think sometimes that just gets undervalued to an extent in some of the sequences all throughout the 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 movies well you're standing next to the hulk or thor or something it's easy to overlook correct and and that sequence the like you said the confined space and the different angles that you got to do and then at the end he's just like you know kicks the shield (laughs) grabs it like time for me to get out of here then he just like but but even the end where he's like well i can't go that way let me jump out of this 20 stories and just fall down here on my shield i'll be okay (laughs) (laughs) just shake it off Uh, shield doesn't pay attention to physics yeah (laughs) peter parker understood it's like that doesn't make sense uh it's it, it it's cool and going forward without that character um well with a new Captain America will be interesting to see how if they do more of that same spy thriller element for the next one, or they just take it in a different direction. I'm looking forward to it. So we've got our top five. 
what are your top five listeners? You know how to get a hold of us on social media, even though Twitter may not be the most popular thing at the moment. We are at Real Pudding Guys on Twitter. <laughs> uh, we are at Pudding Guys on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, you know, we may find some other social media platforms to expand to here sometime soon. Who knows? Who knows? But uh, we'll keep coming at you. And uh, and uh, until next time, keep watching films. And uh, don't forget, we got uh, probably about the time this comes out, we're going to have Black Panther 2 to watch in the theaters. 